Welcome to What's That About with Joel and Tina. Hey, welcome back. Ah, week so, two. Yeah. So last week we talked about First Peter and we talked about First Peter 1. Yes. And it was about the living God and... Living hope, inheritance. Living hope. Yeah, not the living God, the living hope. Yep. Man. Good <clears> stuff. <throat> uh, written to those in exile. Yes. Um, and then, uh, you know, this idea of uh, those who are in a, in a time of trial. Um, you know, this, this life that we live in this world, that's what we have. We have times of trial. We have times of grief. And it's learning to find God in our lives, in our midst of all those things when that happens. Right. So this week we will be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Yes. And I'll go ahead and start by reading that. And I'm reading from the NIV. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever." Hmm. So, wow. Well, this is why we're studying First Peter, and there's just so much <laughs> going on here. So it starts off with, you know, a reminder of who we are, um, that, that as we come to God, as we come to a clear understanding of who God is, we're coming in with open minds. We're actually alert. We're thinking. We're being thoughtful about what Christ has done, how he has been revealed to us. And then here's this really interesting line, as obedient children. <laughs> you know, I, as you become an adult, I think most people do not like the concept of being an obedient child because I think there's a sense that that's something that you leave behind. You know, you do as you're told. Nobody tells me what to do. Oh, right. right. It's like, you know, everybody should have a shirt on that says nobody puts baby in the corner. Oh, uh-huh, right. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the general yeah. attitude of the population. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> I do what I want. But then Peter says that actually is how we are meant to respond to God's call in our life. As obedient children, he says, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but as the one, as he called you to be holy, so be holy. Be holy because God is holy. So there's a sense that 
that we actually, without God in our lives, without his holiness, we are disobedient. We do our own thing, and we do it with ignorance. We do it without understanding, much like disobedient children. You know, the thing about a child is when they hurt you, they tend not to know how much they hurt you. You know, if they say certain things, they do certain things, if they're disobedient, their child, their children, they don't understand. Sometimes they do. But I think the thing that is probably most confusing about that, like what is it really about, is the word holy. Mm. What does mm-hmm. the word holy mean? We yeah. hear it yeah. a lot, like the Holy yeah. Bible, oh. holier than thou. Yeah. That yeah. that word is thrown around a yeah. lot, and yes. I don't know that yeah. we really quite understand yeah. what it means. Yeah, and and I've always kind of taken it as this really basic concept of holy means set apart. Yes, right. That it's not the same as everything else. Right. You know, and, and I, I, it's really easy to be the same. It's really easy to have a life that nobody can tell you from out of the crowd that right. you just want to be the wallflower. And that holiness, if you are holy in the way that Christ is holy, yeah. then you automatically are separate. Right. You don't yeah. blend in. It's right. like that poster that used to go around in the 90s is like swim against the stream. You know, and <laughs> all like hundreds of fish going one way and the one fish going the other way. Do you remember that poster? Sure. I think it was like in every youth group room <laughs> no, ever I in bet, the 90s. Right. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. But, and, but that is in some ways the way that holiness is. And it doesn't mean that we don't participate in culture it doesn't mean that we um you know just say no i can't be a part of you what it means is the way in which we are a part of the culture looks different sounds different feels different that when people encounter us in day-to-day life they should leave feeling like they've encountered the good news Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. should have this feeling of oh there is hope in the world. Sure. I, I would add a couple words to your set apart. It's not just simply set apart. It's set apart for God's purposes. Okay. Because this idea of, of holiness is not something that, that uh, we can create. So it's not like uh, holiness isn't. You know, just different. Just different. Right. It, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's like not. when you're in a high school and you got all these different groups of people, and you know, you got the in crowd and the out crowd. Right. right? You got right. the crowd that everybody likes, and you got the crowd on the fringes. That's not this at all. No. Like, so we went to a church the other day, and they had pastors parking and pastor spouse parking. Those aren't holy, <laughs> even though they're set apart. There you go. They. Right. They're just. <laughs> you know, it has to be set apart. Like if they had a Jesus spot, then that could be holy, I guess. You know, but but it's set apart for God's purposes. So it's this recognition that it's not status quo. That the way that we look at the world or look at our lives, that we do in fact go against the stream. But why? For what? Why would we even do that? And it's for God's purposes, under God's direction. We are meant to be different, not because we like being different or because we value being different, but because God has better intentions for us than just doing what everybody else does. Because doing what everybody else does is a trap, eventually. 
It gets us going down that rabbit hole. It gets us lost in the things of this world. And what God says is, hey, I'm pulling you out. I'm giving you a saving hand. He's saving us from a sinking ship. And he's saying, I'm, because of that, I've got you. Are you going to follow me? That's what I think holiness is, where we recognize only, not only that we are set apart, but that God is directing that action. Well, and I don't always think that holiness, like you, you talk about the rabbit trail, I don't think that that removal from that, like God's removal, isn't always a physical removal of that. Okay, fair enough. That, sure. A good point. That sometimes we stay on the same trail, but who mm-hmm. we are changes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and hopefully you know, we've all had that person in our life. It's like something is different about you. Yeah. That it's yeah. not that they said, "Oh, I'm a Christian now." That means that I have to pack up all my stuff and move to like a village in Africa, and I have to spread the word. Well, some people. Some people are called, are to, do called that. to that. Most people are not. Mo- and I think that we have. God needs people who are holy that are lawyers. Now, here. Yes, God needs people we are. who are holy that are working at McDonald's. Yes. God needs, and, and, and needs maybe is the wrong word, God wants. God wants his holy people to be everywhere. Yeah. It's not like there are separate things that God wants. And I think maybe that's part of what he's pointing to, you know, that the in verse 17, a father who judges mm-hmm. each person's work impartially. Live mm-hmm. out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Mm-hmm. That God isn't going to judge the stay-at-home mom and say, you know what? You stayed at home with your kid, and I am so disappointed that you didn't go out and make a career. I needed you to do that. Is What God wants is for us to be his people in the midst of wherever we are, whether it be a stay-at-home mom, whether it be a pastor, whether it be, you know, a, a crosswalk guard, whatever it is that we're doing, yeah. God wants us to be holy in the midst of that. Where we are. Where we are. Yeah. Like how he created us. It's right. not like God said, well, you know, I made you an artistic person who really loves to to knit and to do all these different things, but I don't want you to use that for me. Yeah. I don't think that that's what God wants from us. I think God wants us to take the the life that we have, the life where we are, yeah. and to dedicate it to him. And that's, that's right. And I think that's what holiness is. Sure. Is and that's what makes it look different is that you know, I think about St. Francis who had the the book about the ordinary stuff. I can't remember the name of it. I don't remember what it is right now. If I find it, I'll put it in the comments um, or in the, the post. City of God? Maybe. No, no. In one of his, it's like practicing the presence of God, I think is what it was. Okay. So, and he talked about how he was able to serve God washing the dishes. <laughs> you know, that here's this person who wanted to become a monk so that he could serve God. Yeah. And there was, you know, this idea, you know, you become a monk, you serve yeah. God. That means you're doing all these different things. But what he was called to do is to wash the dishes and to peel the potatoes which have to be done which doesn't seem very holy but if god's in it it is right if you look for god in the midst of it god's gonna find you there and he's gonna work with you and he you're gonna see how that can become holy i think that's a mistake a lot of christians make 
and the, the mistake being that they say, I've got to go do something different to experience God. I've got to go here. I've got to go do this new thing because they're not looking for God where they already are. And I think that is, that's, you know, to get out from under that mistake is to recognize that God's not out there. God is here. And because God is here, that means that we can serve God wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if we're doing it with the purpose of actually serving God. So peeling potatoes, washing the dishes, uh, taking kids on a field trip, walking through the park, uh, whatever it might be. Crunching numbers. Yeah, sure. And I think it also reminds me that... We don't take God anywhere. You know, we don't take God yeah. to the heathens. God's already <laughs> hanging out with the heathens. Oh, that, and maybe I shouldn't use that word heathens, but yeah. you know, that the, there is this sense of I have to go take God to these people that don't know God. That's not true. God's already there. God's already at work. Yeah. What you you show up. Yeah. You're just pointing God out. I remember that especially in seminary uh, during our CPE where first day we show up and the, the chapel in the hospital shows up and she very clearly reminded us of that very same thing. And she told us, you're not bringing God with you into those rooms. When you pray with people or you listen to whatever's going on in their lives, you're not bringing God in like a lamp. God's already there. And you go in representing God, giving voice to God, helping people to see that God is there. That was our job. That's what she told us. Well, and I, I, I remember that that's, that. That's, that's, that's huge. I think that maybe all of us Christians should go through CPE training because I think we all need to learn that, that, that we're just... Uh, you know. uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Um, I love how in verse 20, I was looking at this, that... It says that he, meaning Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but it was only revealed in these last times for our sake. I love that. It reminds us that what happened with Jesus was the plan from the beginning. Before the creation of the world, that was the plan. So it wasn't that Adam and Eve sinned, that sin entered in the world, and God said, whoa, wait a second, time out, what am I going to do now? Oh no, creation is... God knew that was going to happen. God knew that there was going to be sin. God knew that there was going to be suffering, and God chose to create anyway. Right. That's an amazing thing. So, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, and maybe you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with self-doubt, or you're wondering if God could really love you, where you are, what you're struggling with, know that God does. Because even before you were created, God chose to create you because you're worth it. We're worth it. The world is worth it. Before even creation, Christ was to come. That was the plan. That's a, it's a, an amazing thing to think about, especially you know if you're going through a hard day, you're going through self-doubt, or you're wondering if you can ever actually be holy. The answer is God, God makes it possible because that's the plan. Well, and the only way to believe is through Christ. Mm-hmm. That it's not like, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode about how you could study your whole life. <laughs> You could do mission work your whole life. Yeah. If you never encounter Jesus, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know. You're not. Yeah. Mm. 
And I, the other thing, like I think, you know, verse 19 also talks about, because we talked about blood last time too, is it's more that blood talk, <laughs> a lamb without blemish or defect, the precious blood of Christ. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I think it's, it's tough sometimes to talk about this idea of the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there was a while in the church in which there was this idea that, oh, Christians are cannibals because they eat the, <laughs> they eat the body of they Christ. The blood. They, they drink the blood of Christ. Right, and, right. Yeah. There, I mean, it was a huge thing of, of what is the matter with these people? Why are they doing that? How, how can they do that? Well, that was actually an accusation leveled against the, the, the first century church that that's actually what Rome before Rome became, uh, the, the Christian center of the world, so in those early emperors, that was the accusation against those early Christians. That very language, the blood and the body, was used against them because they thought, well, look, you're talking about this. That's cannibalism. That's not allowable. We're going to stamp that out. We can't let you eat people. We can't allow that. Sorry. No. <laughs> and I do wonder, you know, is there any kind of equivalent language for us today? Because we mm. don't have this idea of the sacrifice in our culture that, you know, when the even when even within the Jewish culture, once the temple was destroyed, mm-hmm. they have not done sacri- I mean, I know that there are sects that still do sacrifices. I know there's one well, in New York. Yom Kippur. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to. So, yes, for forgiveness. But in since the sacri- the the way that the Jewish people have uh, found atonement is through, not through sacrifice, but through asking forgiveness. Right. Um, and so they spend that whole time of Yom Kippur doing that, at, seeking forgiveness. Well, that still falls short, but it's fantastic to do. I mean, think about all the people that you've hurt and imagine that you live in a culture in which you seek forgiveness and receive forgiveness that's amazing. I mean, that that's after God's own heart right there. I don't know why you wouldn't do that like every day. <laughs> why sure. wait a year? Sure. After, do, sure. Like, you keep a, sure. I mean, it, yeah. it's just kind of a, you know, and I think that sometimes we think that God has the smite button. As, as, <laughs> that, sure. that, that little button of like smite, smite, yeah. smite. But yeah. the truth is, is that God's not keeping a record of any of these things that right. God's God's not recording yeah. what we've done wrong. As far as the east is from the west. Because so our sins are removed been, from us. It's all been covered already. Right. This blood right. of Christ. Actually it, does cover. It does. It has. That yeah. it's not, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's happened once and it covered everything. And I think that that is just really, mm-hmm. Christ isn't continuing to die on the cross for us. Mm. His one death on the cross was sufficient. Mm-hmm. His blood being given over over us was sufficient mm-hmm. once and for all. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we get this idea that like, no, Christ has to die for me again every day. That mm-hmm. I need for him to, you know, forgive my sins again today because there's no way that he could forgive me. But One more thing I want to <clears throat> point out before okay. we, we close is... Uh, this concept of being born again. I mean, that's a big term for a lot of Christians. Um, and if you look at verse 23, that's where this really concept comes from, where it says, you've been born again, not of perishable, but an imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. The sense that 
our rebirth is not a physical rebirth. It, it's, it, it brings us back to the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Jesus and Nicodemus are meeting, and Nicodemus, he's meeting in secret. He's afraid, but he's so interested. And he How says, can I be yeah. born out of my mama again? What in the world are you talking about? Being reborn? I cannot go in and come back out. My, my mama doesn't want that. Work. You're right. Jesus, I don't know if you know anything about anatomy, but that doesn't work. Well, here, Peter is helping us to see exactly what Jesus was talking about, that we are reborn of something imperishable. And that imperishable thing in us is the Holy Spirit in us, giving us new life. It is the blood of Christ that covers us. It is the very living word of God that continues to renew us. So it's not this physical rebirth at all. It's the spiritual rebirth. It's this almost this idea that Without God, our spirits are in dire trouble, on death row. And the Spirit of God in us has revived our spirits. That is the life that we are called to live. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It reminds me of that um, passage. I can't remember who it was that said it. I know that it's often attributed to C.S. Lewis, but it was not him who said it. Um, And it's this idea of, you know, we're not physical body that happens to have a spirit. A spirit. Uh-huh. We are a spirit uh-huh. that happens to have a physical body. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of that idea. And, you know, and I think that one of the things that is really difficult, um, and you've talked about a couple of statistics on this recently, and, and this last verse reminds me of it. Says, and this is from, um, I believe it's Isaiah, that, yep. And it's the last part. It says, all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's this idea within Scripture that if we plant the word of the Lord within our spirit, mm. that it allows our spirit to grow and we continue to grow. And I think that it's very easy to not see the value in taking time to just read Scripture. Not for the purpose of quiet time, not for the purpose of you know, getting through another book or making it through the the Bible in a year, but just to be with God, I think is a really Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. aspect of the word and that our spirits are encouraged by the word of the Lord and, um, and are fed and are watered and, and are allowed to grow because of the word of God. So we have this physical world that is passing away from us. We see it all the time, every day. But the Word of God doesn't. Right. So that's that's worth hanging on to. That's worth getting into. That's worth spending time with. I mean, that's what we're about. You were talking about that earlier. You know, We want to live lives in which we never die, in which we hold off death and aging as long as we can. Well, here's kind of a way that we can. The way that we hold off spiritual aging, which is really the most important kind, is through the Word of God in us. And on that note, uh, we will say good night, good day, whatever it may be, wherever you are. (laughs) God bless. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.